You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Kentucky podcast. We bring you info and insights on UK football and basketball every weekday. Stay informed by making us part of your morning or afternoon commute. Listen and follow for free on Apple or Google Podcasts. Simply subscribe to Locked On Kentucky. I'm Dan Reefer with Fox 56 in Lexington, along with Kyle Tucker of The Athletic. Today, we're talking about, well, the big news. Joey Gatewood, the Auburn transfer, is coming to Kentucky Uh, Also, a huge three-year series announced between Kentucky and Michigan in basketball with the first game being played in London. And then John Calipari spoke on Thursday ahead of Kentucky's game against Fairleigh Dickinson. He was in a great mood and had a lot to say. So those are the topics we'll be discussing. And we will start with football because that is huge to get Joey Gatewood. And, dude, he put out a picture with him and Vince Marrow. And he's a bigger dude than Marrow. And if you've ever stood next to Marrow, Marrow is a big honking dude. And, or I mean, hulking is what I meant to say. <laughs> honking. Yeah, a big hulking dude is what I meant to say. And, and Gatewood is, like we were talking about the other day, he's a Cam Newton looking guy. Yeah, he was, uh, I was trying to pull up their Auburn roster. He was listed at 6'4, 234, coming out of high school. Um, let me look, but yeah, it's it's an enormous get. He was a top fifty overall recruit, um, coming out of high school. Uh, kind of got beat out by the the in-state boy wonder, uh, Bo Nix, this season there, and and obviously he was a freshman, so they've got a. And a his dad was a you know quarterback at Auburn as well. Yeah, and they've got so they've got their quarterback of the future, and he's got some you know he's not a perfect prospect. He's he's not a polished passer. I talked to one of my good friends. Uh, worked together at SEC Country, and then both ended up at the Athletic. Uh, Justin Ferguson covers Auburn uh, for the Athletic, and, and I asked him a few, just a few days ago, uh, you know, what kind of fit do you think he is? And he said, you know, needs work as a passer, but he is a big, strong, physical runner, great runner, a guy who would thrive behind more of a, of a run-blocking offensive line. Hello, Kentucky. Um, yeah. You know, and Auburn's was more built to be a, a pass-rush offensive line this year. Um, uh, or pass blocking offensive line this year, so I think he's a great fit. One of the thing I looked up right when he announced, or after he announced, and put on Twitter, is this is totally unprecedented. I think certainly in the modern era, in the in the rankings era, um, Kentucky will have because of Gatewood, they will have three former top fifty overall recruits on next year's roster. Jeez. I mean, top 50 is rare air. That's pretty yeah. much everybody in the top 50 is going to, you know, national championship contenders, Alabama, LSU, Ohio State, you know. Um, and, and so they'll have Gatewood, who was number 40. Just going on the 247 sports composite, which I like to use, I think, individual rankings-wise, probably rivals is still the standard in football. But I, I like a composite because it takes kind of more things into consideration. So using that metric... Gatewood, number 49 in the 2018 class overall, uh, was their number one athlete. Um, right, number one ranked athlete. Yeah. Justin Rogers is in this class out of high school, a kid out of Michigan. Again, they went and plucked him from a, from a talent-rich place where everybody in the Big Ten's recruiting him. Number 44 in the 2020 class. Uh, and as a, you know, depending on what ranking you're looking at, two, number two, three, four, 
defensive tackle in the country. Well, and Rivals then, has him as you know number fifteen overall player. Yes, yeah, as high as that. I mean, if you go by highest ranking, these these are even more impressive. Yeah. Uh, and then Kelvin Joseph, the cornerback who transferred from LSU and has been practicing with the team but sitting out this season, so he'll step right in and be ready to go next year. Number 42 overall in 2018. I mean, those are three, and you think about the positions, quarterback, defensive tackle, and corner. If yeah. you're going to win in the SEC, if you're going to win at a high level in major college football, those are three of the most important, if not the three most important. If you had an offense, and Rust, Justin Rogers, for all we know, it could be an offense or defensive lineman, but up front, Quarterback and in the secondary are huge places where you've got to have elite talent, and those are those are three elite level guys um, now that they're going to have, and that, that's just just top fifty. Where I mean, they got a ton more four star guys sprinkled through several different classes. If if Landon, I assume Landon will be back. Yeah, uh, Landon think so. Young at left yeah. tackle next season. Former, he's a former U.S. All Amer- Army All American. He. Uh, was a top 100 recruit. He was their uh, highest-rated player since uh, Micah Johnson, I want to say. Yeah, I mean, so and you've got a couple other top 100-ish level guys and then some other four-star guys. On paper, Kentucky's roster next season will be, I believe, I don't think this is an exaggeration, and they're not done adding four-star guys to this class. They will probably be, on paper, the most talented Kentucky football roster of the, modern, of the modern era. You know, yeah. certainly Bear Bryant probably had some insane talent when he was going to Sugar Bowls back in the day. But um, That's a different deal altogether. It is. Yeah. I mean, in the modern era, I'm, I've got to think this will be the most talented roster Kentucky's ever put together. Now, as we speak, Joey Gatewood won't be able to actually play next season, but they are. I, I, have, I am confident in telling you, they are. Kentucky is going to pursue a waiver for him. Um, will they get it? it? I don't know. Will Auburn cooperate? Almost certainly not because Auburn's on the schedule next year. Kentucky's at Auburn next season. Mm, yeah. That could be tough. Because uh, yeah, they're definitely the, not cooperating. It helps no when chance. the other school is like says, "Yeah, we want you know we have right. no objection." I don't think Auburn's going to do that in this. No, case. that's not going to happen for sure. Um, but they will try to get a waiver. If they get a waiver, it gets interesting, you know, because is Terry Wilson healthy day one? Now, I mean, I think he'll eventually be, but is he healthy day one? And if he's not, does that open the door for Joey Gatewood um, if he gets a waiver? And, and some guys have gotten waivers that you go, why did they get a waiver? What was the right. extenuating circumstance? Justin Fields going from Georgia to Ohio State. Uh, Joe Burrow going from uh, LSU, I'm sorry, Ohio State Austin. to LSU. Tate Martell. Uh, Tate Martell going from Ohio State to Miami. Um, and on and on it has gone. We've seen a bunch of high-profile quarterbacks not have to sit out. Uh, and so maybe he does get it. it. It raises some questions for me, too. Like, you know, if they're taking this kid and also knowing they're going to at least try to get a waiver, do they worry about whether Terry's healthy? Is there anything else going on there? I, I will say I thought it was really interesting tonight that when that news broke, uh, Terry Wilson took to Twitter. Yes, he did. And he welcomed. The series of tweets went, welcome, Bretta, with the, yep. the, the shade sunglass, shade, yep. uh, shaded smi- the sunglasses smiling emoji and tagging Joey Gatewood. And then he says, a lot of guys don't like helping coaches recruit dudes, but then you build a bond. It's really huge for the program. Mm-hmm. And then he says, love y'all, BBN. 
Uh, yeah, a lot of guys don't like helping coaches recruit dudes. Yeah, that stood out to me with with the way he's welcoming him. Um, so I don't I don't know I I, don't, I guess that says a lot about Terry Wilson, um, and he just simply says, "Hey, whatever's best for the team. If I go down again, uh, it would be great if you're there." Uh, I mean, Sawyer Smith's going to be there too, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, that'll be interesting to see what what Sawyer Smith does. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he's um, already a grad transfer. You know. Um, yeah, I mean, I assume I, I, I'm actually not sure about the rules. Like, I guess he could just go somewhere else, right? And, I would think so because he's and not have to sit out yeah. as he's graduated. Um, and then you know, Monty Gilmore, Nick Scalzo is going to be healthy, and yeah, they uh, have a they go from having no quarterbacks to potentially being loaded up at that position, not just next year, but for the future. Yeah, they um, talked about Nick Scalzo, uh, like you know, for people who you know, I saw some stuff on social media and, and things when Kentucky went to the all run offense that they were like, why not get Almonte Gilmore ready? Why haven't we seen him? Why you've got time? You got these bye weeks? Why not get him? And honestly. Uh, Mark Stoops was talking about Nick Scalzo in a different way than he was talking about Imani Gilmore. Like, Nick Scalzo was doing some good things. Like, if Nick Scalzo was healthy, he'd be the next guy up, not, you know, going to Imani Gilmore. I get, I just get the feeling that he was behind because he didn't come in in the spring like Scalzo did. Right. And they just weren't they weren't ready to go that route. I think, too, he's a little more of a raw prospect. I, I, yeah. I, I like, you know, the idea of you getting, getting Gatewood gives you – even more time to, to develop Imani Gilmore potentially right. mm-hmm. just to, to let him, you know, he redshirted this year, you know, be, be one of the understudies next year, maybe be the backup the year after that. And, and then you go into a, what a red shirt, uh, junior year mm-hmm. with an opportunity. Like that's how ideally quarterback staggering goes. <laughs> right, you know, uh, you you hope that a guy isn't stepping in cold, whether right. it, whether it be out of high school, even whether it be out of transfer, whether it be out of junior college. You hope a guy is not stepping in cold. You, you know, the best way to manage quarterbacks, unless you get a transcendent guy like Joe Burrow, who's ready to come in and win a Heisman, or right. Cam Newton, who's ready to come out of JUCO and win a Heisman. The 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 uh, ideal situation is you you stagger your quarterbacks, you keep as many as you can, and you and you bring different guys along so that the next guy up has been there in the system for a little while, and it's not just a whirlwind when he te- when he steps in. And then, you know, after a crazy year this year, and a, really a co- crazy few years of quarterback roster management where they've kind of had to retool on the fly, they may be set up starting next year to to do it right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, position. if yeah, if guys don't transfer, but you can't, you know, it's so hard to hold on to guys. And this has been going back for years. I mean, uh, so many UK quarterbacks who were what if uh, that that wound up transferring because there just wasn't uh, a place for them. Uh, there was too much competition. But uh, the bottom line on Joey Gatewood, though, if he doesn't receive, you know, a waiver, uh, then you're looking at Terry Wilson next year and Gatewood redshirted. In 2018, he played sparingly this year. He did have, I think, one game where he rushed for over 100 yards. But at UK, he would wind up um, being eligible, if he didn't get the waiver, to play in 2021, and then he does two years. So the 2021 season and the 2022 season 
would be when he would uh, be out there to play. And it would be perfect if it set up that Terry Wilson goes and then he's your next quarterback. That yes. would kind of be and, – and Sawyer Smith would still be the backup next season. But we got to get to a break. Uh, talking about uh, 2022, um, there's going to be a game against Michigan in Rupp Arena that year. But there's one coming up next year across the pond. And that's what we're talking about next when Locked on Kentucky continues. You are Locked on Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. Okay, so we talked about Joey Gatewood, the huge transfer news for, for UK football. But now we move on to UK basketball because uh, a big bomb dropping today. John Calipari had alluded to it, some foreshadowing before, even mentioned London. Uh, But we didn't know who the opponent would be and how it would all work out. And now we know the details. Next December in London, uh, Kentucky and Michigan begin game one of a three-year series. The following December in Ann Arbor and then in 2022 in Lexington. And John Calipari described... It was all about his relationship with Jawan Howard. Like, he already wanted to do something like this, but, you know, he said, Jawan Howard took care of Bam Adebayo, and I told him, I'll do what I can, and that's how it all came about. Yeah, the, the Cal Perry-Jawan Howard thing is really interesting because um, Jawan Howard is obviously an inexperienced head coach, and uh, Cal Perry reached out to him. I can't remember if Howard reached out to Cal Perry for advice or Cal Perry reached out to him but I know that ultimately the conversation early, right after Howard was hired, was Cal giving him the advice that you need to go get a veteran head coach on, on your bench with you to help you through some of the things you don't know that you don't know. Uh, and he recommended Phil Martelli, the uh, yeah. St. Joe's coach, mm-hmm. who was sort of unceremoniously pushed out there uh, but had a great run at St. Joe's. Uh, and he hired him. And so we already knew that that, um, that sort of – relationship existed and, and Brendan Quinn for the athletic who covers Michigan, Michigan state for us. He wrote a great story about that and talked to Cal about all that. So if you search that, it's a great story um, about how that all came together. But then I guess, you know, another part of their conversation is what you mentioned, Cal saying, you know, he took Bam under his wing. Juwan Howard finished a really long NBA career that stretched from 1994 to 2013 he finished it out with the Miami Heat and then immediately moved into coaching with the Miami Heat from 2013 until last year when he took the Michigan job. So he was there for Bam's first two years and, and apparently really molded him and worked with him and uh, you know looked out for him. He was a 19-year-old kid who'd been in college for one year, all of a sudden living in Miami where a lot of things can go wrong when you're uh, a poor kid from a you know, single mother grow up in a trailer and all of a sudden you're a millionaire. It's good living to have, in Miami. <laughs> it's a good it's good to have a guy uh like Jawan Howard to be there as a steadying hand. And I think, you know, Cal didn't say all that. He just said he took him under his wing. But I think that's sort of the unspoken piece of it is like right. that was a dangerous place for a young new millionaire to be. Yeah, you got um, the feeling that it was more a uh, more than just Jawan Howard showing Bam how to play the game. Yeah, Cal seemed to really have some appreciation for that. And he said, I told him, you took care of one of mine. I will take care of you. If there's anything I can do to help you as you, you know, embark on this <laughs> this challenge of, of uh, leading a, a proud program. Michigan, yeah. you know, two, three years ago was in the national championship game. Went twice under the previous coach. 
um, some big shoes to fill. And, and Jawan Howard, one of the most famous alums from the Fab Five, um, you know, that, that's a lot of pressure. And I actually I wrote a big story about Kenny Payne over the summer, uh, and, you know, he wanted to get the job at Louisville. And he said, he, we talked, it didn't make the story, but we talked about how, you know, that would have been so stressful. And he, he talked about Jawan Howard and how, how much pressure you'd feel as an alum to lead your program, you yeah. know, and especially going from no head coaching, going in with no head coaching experience. So anyway, Cal Perry made that offer. Hey, I want to help you. And apparently Jawan Howard cashed in and said, okay, play us. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> three, three years in a row. I mean, the yeah. three-game series is so interesting. I love it for so many reasons. I love it because we have a, I have a work trip to London now. Yes, um, very nice. And I'm going to be pissed off if I don't. I better be making that trip. <laughs> Boss, if you're listening. I mean, you uh, have to. You have to. You, yeah, you got to. And then, uh, and then the, the, also because the next two years after that, you finally have Kentucky playing – voluntarily playing a home and home series with a quality opponent. Yes. You know, in finally. their in the campus arenas. They haven't voluntarily signed up for that in a while. They 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 have to play Louisville. I mean they don't have to, but what would people in this state do if they did? Yeah, they're going to. Yeah. Uh and they have to play a Big Twelve SEC challenge game because that's an obligation of the league. And so in that they end up rotating home and away uh with quality opponents. And they've played Kansas, and they're going to go to Texas Tech this year. But that's not really of their own volition. They, no. the, the fact that they signed up for this, yeah. let's do this. Let's play in London, which is a cool thing that nobody's ever done. And then let's play in each other's arenas. I mean, the atmospheres for those games are going to be fantastic. And uh, I, I love it. I, I, I was just as a person who cares about college basketball, uh, this is great. Yeah, I agree. And it was almost like Calipari was saying, ugh. I put it out there. My word is bond, so I got to live up to it now. But this isn't what I had in mind necessarily, because he has said, you know, his philosophy is not these home and homes. Like he wants to play. He said it for years that my job is to get my team ready for the tournament in March, yeah. and those games are not played on home courts. They're played at neutral sites. So I want to play these games in Vegas, these games in New York City, these you know Champions Classic, uh, and these kind of deals. And that's what will help us. Get better. We're playing quality opponents. Guys, look at it like it's a trip for you to go, you know, as fans to, to one of these nice destinations. Um, and so that's, I understand that. But it's it's a hard sell to the fans who don't get to see North Carolina and Louisville yeah. every other year or, you know, rotating Louisville one year and North Carolina the next year or, or another big-name opponent outside of the Big 12 uh, SEC Challenge. And now you've got Michigan coming in at least once here coming up. Um, well, I, I, here's the other thing I would ahead. say. Like, it is his job to get his team ready, but part of his job is also a responsibility to the fans who, in part, pay his salary. No, I agree uh, with that. And the, yeah. and the home schedule's not been good enough. And so they're addressing that. I think he's finally realizing. <laughs> I mean, if you mm-hmm. look at attendance, it's kind of inarguable that people are tired of coming to these crap non-conference games. Um, and the other thing is I don't think they're done. I think I think there may be... Another, another one of the works. I think there may be another quality home and home series that gets announced sooner than later. Well, I saw Mark's story of the Lexington Herald Leader had an article. I didn't read it yet, but it's not because I'm not a subscriber to the Lexington Herald Leader. I do have a subscription. I can read it. But the tease on Twitter was uh, some fan has written in with a bold strategy to boost home attendance, and the picture was Travis Ford. So I just you know, quickly put two and two together, and it makes sense if this is what the article is about. I don't even know. I haven't read it, but... 
that you would, if you're going to play, you're going to play cupcakes anyway. So if you're going to play inferior opponents like that, then fill the schedule with former UK players. Themes and stories. Have, <laughs> like Evansville. <laughs> Are you Where, sure about that? Yeah. yeah, Travis Ford, Mark Pope, um, Dale Brown, um, Alan Edwards. These guys all have teams that they're coaching. And Cal has done that, just not like five of them in a season. But uh, that would, I think, for sure help it out. But uh, that's that's another topic. We'll, we'll talk about that a little another time because we've still got to get to uh, all the good stuff that Calipari said today. He was in a good mood, and we got to talk about that next here on Locked on Kentucky. This is Locked on Kentucky, your team every day. Okay, Cal, you were there today, uh, Thursday, at John Calipari's press conference. I just listened to it, watched it online, but I wasn't actually there. It felt to me like... He was in a pretty good mood. I, I maybe because it's play, he's playing fairly Dickinson, but uh, he he seemed to be uh, upbeat. Yeah, I mean, I think I do think a piece of it is knowing you're not losing on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, like I, that maybe that's bold to say, considering they lost at home to Evansville. But we've already discussed fairly Dickinson is horrendous. Might be the yes. worst team on their schedule, so yeah. they they're not losing Saturday. Um, and then, you know, I think the other piece of it is he felt like he's talked about they had really good, really physical practices. Uh, I thought it was interesting, too. He said, we might as well, the last three of them, we might as well have had a helmets on. Right. Uh, I think it's really interesting that he's pushing them that hard, uh, considering all the injuries they've had. Um, but Yeah, he was talking yeah. about just how he was all business. Like, he's not putting up with anything. Like, if you hold three times, we're running. Uh, if you're talking while I'm talking, get on the line, you're running. I mean, uh, yeah. Yeah, he, yeah I he mean, sounds like he's being hard on him right now. Yeah, and this is, you know, some of this is just him playing a character, you know, that he plays this right. time every year. You know, he's he's Scrooge uh, as as Christmas approaches, and and I think, you know, the freshmen need to see that side of him. You know, they they need him to flip the switch, and he can he can also sort of wield punishment this time of year because they soon the the class. Uh, obligations are off for a while, for a month, and then and the NCAA practice limitations are unrestricted for a little while. And so he can say, look, you don't, you don't listen, we'll go again at lunch. If you don't yeah. listen at lunch, we'll go again at dinner. I'll just run you till you collapse <laughs> uh, type of thing. And um, this is also the time of year where, where so often Calipari's teams make moves. And not ne- not necessarily great. They don't go from bad to great but sometimes they go from bad to good and they're that sets them up to make that jump in january and february um and sometimes you don't see the fruit of what what what's going on right now until even much later but i do think there's this is sort of the circle back okay we played some games against cupcakes we played some games against quality opponents uh we have a better sense of what what we're good at and what we're bad at and now we can circle back and figure out what what do we need to teach again what do we need to teach that we forgot to teach the first time? What do these yeah. freshmen not know that I thought they would have known? Uh, and it's kind of a re-education. Um, you know, I, Cal's, it's one of the things Cal says all the time, and, and it, it, it becomes white noise, but he says, you know, I always forget the struggle, and I just remember how the season ended. I think fans do, too, uh, and, yeah. and reporters do, because, you know, today I was thinking, you know, they, this time a year ago, I didn't think they were going to end up with a quality win before the new year because they were mm. struggling. They'd gotten yeah. blown out from Duke. They were struggling with their mid-major opponents. And on the horizon, there was Carolina 
on a neutral court and at Louisville. And that just felt like this team isn't built to win those games. And, then and it was they Georgia went, before Ashton Hagens came along. Right. Uh, you know, and they went, you know, they go, yeah, exactly. So then they go beat North Carolina, and Hagens blew up uh, defensively. Uh, they beat Louisville soundly on the road. And then I think, op- what, open SEC play or early in SEC play, mm-hmm. they go at Georgia, and Ashton yeah. Hagens has the best offensive game of his career. Um, and you go, okay, maybe this team, <laughs> maybe this team is a title contender. And they, you know, by the end of the year, they were, they were one shot away from making the final four. And so just a year ago, you know, they were in kind of almost in, in a different, through a different route because they got clobbered by, by Duke instead of beating a good team and then losing at home to Evansville. But in both cases, embarrassed and kind of shocked. Right here at this same point where you're wondering, are they as good as we thought in the preseason? Yeah. Can they win these can they win these two huge non conference games and it's the same deal. It's the, the CBS Sports Classic this year, it's Ohio State, which is gonna be a top five team. Uh and then Louisville, but this time at home. Uh except number one ranked Louisville instead of a, a first year under Chris Mack Louisville. So um this feels a lot like last year, and now we just find out, do they make the same kind of jump that, that last year's team and, and several others did? Yeah, it felt like last year. It feels like last year because you had the Bahamas. And the Bahamas made you think, oh, this team's awesome. Well, this year you had Michigan State. They beat the number one team right out of the gate. Uh, then last year they turned right back around and get destroyed by Duke. This year they have one of the worst losses in the history of the program at home against Evansville. So it does have a lot of similarities. A couple of you know news and notes here to get to from what Calipari said, and, and I think you even mentioned this yesterday. Sestina, he said, still two, three weeks away from them even figuring out if he can play. Dante Allen, he did practice, but it was one day, and then he's been out the last two practices due to soreness. Uh, and then, you know, Calipari, some of his uh, talking points, as he said, the two things he's focused on right now is fight, getting them to fight for everything, whether it be, you know, screens, rebounds, getting through, and then finish. How do they finish in the last four minutes of the game? But the biggest thing I heard from him was he said a player, and he didn't say who, came into his office and said, I know I'm not playing well. I know I'm not comfortable on the court, and this is all on me. My guess is that's Tyrese Maxey or Khalil Whitney, one of those two, because he's he's clearly talking about a freshman the way he, he stated it. Uh, and that that would be my guess, that it's Khalil Whitney struggling more than Tyrese Maxey, but Tyrese Maxey has already shown that kind of self-awareness before. Yeah, yeah. So, so you, th- you say you think it's, it's Maxey? Maxey or Whitney. Interesting, because my first thought was Johnny Juzang. Oh really? Uh, well, that's a good one too. I mean, I can't rule yeah, that one out. Yeah, I think sure. some of it is some of it is the context of like the way he said it felt like it was recent, but it, I don't mm-hmm. know if it was recent or if it's something that happened in the last couple of weeks and there's been progress since then. Um, because you know Johnny Juzang is a guy. One, they they brought him out there and he talked today and he talked about sort of um, being patient and dealing with some early struggles and not as much playing time and. You know, I asked him a lot. I was saying, like, is there a way you can practice, you know, coming in as a, as a guy who's known as a volume shooter in high school or been a volume shooter in high school, coming in and with limited minutes, like, can you, can you train yourself to come in cold and be in rhythm as a shooter? 
Mm-hmm. And he was kind of like, eh, it's hard. But he said, you know, I admit, like, I hate to admit it, but I was a guy who took a lot of shots in high school. And now this, this experience is teaching me to be efficient. How do you score efficiently? Um, and he's talked in the past about, you know, I, I, this is why I came here, to be challenged, because I wanted the hardest path, not the easiest path. Um, and because of some of the stuff he said, and the way Cal has been praising him in the last two weeks as, hey, he was behind the other guys and he's fought mm-hmm. to get playing time and he's done the little things. Those context clues made me think it was Juzang. Well, um, you also had the advantage of talking to Johnny today. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, I but, wasn't there, so yeah, that, but, that helps a little bit. Yeah, but, but I agree with you that it also matches up with sort of the mentality of Tyrese Maxey. He's the guy who started their breakfast club this year as a freshman Straight out of high school, he's the guy who did that as a sophomore in high school. Started a breakfast club, getting up, getting guys up at six and seven in the morning to work out. He's the guy who was dragging Emmanuel quickly and Ashton Higgins to the gym this summer. Um, and so, if, the fact that in between a couple really good games, he's had some really bad ones, uh, you know, and and looked a little out of the flow of offense. And so, so when you think about the way Cal was talking about what this unnamed player said to him, I know I. I know I don't have a feel for it right now, and yada, yada, yada. Some of that feels a little bit like Maxi. Yeah. Um, yeah. But either way, I, I think it's important that somebody on this team, every guy on this team is good, and if they're at their yeah. best can contribute. Somebody on this team had the sort of maturity to go to him and say, I'm not good enough. It's my fault. Right. Yeah. That, that's no doubt a big deal. Um, a few more things I want to get to before we run out of time here is when I said – Calipari was in a good mood. The reason why I could tell that is, one, he dropped Louisville when referring yes. to Louisville. Uh, and then he just threw it in here uh, casually as he was talking. I'm 48 years old. I mean, I'm not worried about how I feel, which, you know, clearly he's not 48 years old. And then uh, another question that was asked that had nothing to do with Brad completely turned into an answer about Brad Calipari where he said, I was way more athletic than Brad. He got that from his mom. He can't move and he can't dance. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's, that's Cal, pretty Cal, Cal's pretty bold to say that about his wife. <laughs> no doubt. Especially when she could clap back and you can't do any household chores. <laughs> hey, and then one little cleanup I want to make from yesterday as we talked about uh, Lexington Christian Academy receiver Jarius Smith, who uh, finished this season leading the state in receiving. And he tweeted out uh, yesterday that, or tweeted out on Wednesday that, uh, that he was grateful to receive an opportunity to play for his old Kentucky home, which I took to mean he was accepting an offer, but I reached out to him and talked to him today and he is not uh, committed to UK. He's actually got another offer from like Finley college or something like that. But okay. so he hasn't committed, uh, but he has received an offer. He, w- he, he wouldn't, he, he wouldn't commit to say whether it was a full scholarship or a preferred walk on offer. But um, just to clear it up, he has not committed to UK, but you know, okay. there's a chance that he does. All right. Anything else? I think that's good. We'll uh, we'll be back Monday to talk. I guess we'll have bowl. We'll we'll know yeah, where Kentucky's we'll, going in the bowl game. We'll uh, Mitch Barnhart will have spoken about it. We'll, we'll know, know whether or not Fairley Dickinson uh, was, <laughs> was able to pull the huge upset. I mean, we might have to no. do an emergency pod if they do. But uh, I think you're yeah. safe, Kentucky. 
I'm almost tempted to put that game on DVR and watch it Sunday morning because of so much good football <laughs> that's on the opposite of it. But no, I'll uh, I'll pay attention and we'll talk about uh, that Kentucky Fairleigh Dickinson game and of course the bowl selection. Uh, we will know and we'll dis- we'll discuss that. So everyone have a great weekend. Thanks for tuning in. Um, I just want to plug before we go and Kyle, you can plug your stuff as well that. Uh, you can catch uh, me on Out of Bounds on Fox 56 in Lexington on Sunday night. And then on Monday mornings, we put that up on our YouTube page, which is Fox Lexington. If you go on YouTube and just type in Fox Lexington, uh, you should be able to find us there. Or go to foxlexington.com and you can find my work there. And then, Kyle, you're working on a big story for The Athletic. Yeah, we, uh, we have a huge sneaker blitz, a bunch of stories on shoes and how they're, they're tied to sports, both at the college and NBA and pro levels, and just several, several different angles. There's a whole collection of them. Uh, if you search, uh, I think, shoe blitz, actually, if you search it on The Athletic. But I have a piece, uh, Kentucky-related, on Billy Hobbs of True Blue Customs here in Lexington. It was a guy who really just had a hobby. Uh, and some of the U.K. basketball players got wind that he was a guy out there customizing Jordans. Uh, first, Tyler Eulis in 2015 uh, reached out to him, and that brought along Willie Cauley-Stein. Uh, and kind of overnight, uh, he became an, his business became a, a, more than a hobby. It blew up when Willie wore a, a, a crazy pair that he customized in the Cincinnati game of the NCAA tournament when he posterized uh, the guy. Um, and, and literally overnight, uh, his kind of his business blew up. He quit his day job, launched this business, and now he's, he's the shoe customizer to you know, well over 100 professional athletes uh, in Major League Baseball, the NFL, and the NBA. And uh, obviously he's still doing cool shoes for the guys at Kentucky, including John Calipari. So hopefully people will check that out. Well, you should. I mean, just from what you've told me about it, uh prior to this podcast uh, it's super interesting and i know the way you write so it'll be uh uh it'll be detailed and have a lot of nice um angles and stuff that'll keep your interest i definitely am looking forward to it thank you brother all right you can follow kyle at kyle tucker underscore ath and i am at d-r-i-e-f-f-e-r on twitter thanks for listening have a great weekend folks Locked on Kentucky, available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcast Locked On. Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea.